Well, good morning. I want to welcome all of you to this special day. I want to give a special welcome, obviously, to Tom and Laura and to the family and for all of you who are visiting here this morning from other places. Uh, We're going to have an opportunity to focus on Tom's retirement in just a few minutes, but before we do that, we are coming to the end of our teaching series in the book of Hebrews. In fact, Tom is going to finish this series uh, next Sunday. And the passage that we're looking at this morning was actually scheduled one year in advance, having no idea that this would end up being the day and the time that, that we would arrive at this passage. But it turns out to be a very fitting one for the day. So let's lead it, read it together. If you have a Bible with you, you can look at the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17. We're going to look at one verse this morning. Hebrews 13, verse 17, which says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Let's pray together and then we'll look into this passage with one another. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for this occasion today. Thank you for the weather that you have given us. Thank you for the people who are here. Thank you for Tom and for Laura and their family. And thank you that today we not only have an opportunity to study this passage and to try to figure out exactly what it means. It's it's a difficult one but we also have an opportunity to apply it in a very special and unique way later. Father, we pray that you would help us to understand what you meant when you wrote these words. Help us to apply them to our hearts, and we pray that you would bless us this morning, even as we seek to be a blessing to one another. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to think for a few minutes about church leadership and church membership. That is what this passage is about. It is written for the leaders of local churches, in particular the elders. And I'm going to focus on the elders this morning. And to members of a church. Uh, That is those people who have committed themselves to following Christ in a local congregation. And what this passage does is it teaches us about how these two groups of people are meant to interact with one another. And it describes a beautiful, mutually beneficial relationship. However, what you find in the passage is that these benefits also come along with certain responsibilities both for a church's elders and for its members. So what I want to do today in just a few minutes is very simple. I want to look at first a responsibility and then a benefit for the elders of a church. And then I want to kind of reverse it and I want to look at a benefit and a responsibility of being a church member, all according to this passage right here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. One of the responsibilities of church elders, a responsibility that they assume is very, very clear and obvious in the passage. 
Look again at verse 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So this says that the responsibility of elders is to keep watch over the souls of the members of the congregation and to do so with the understanding that one day they are going to have to stand before the throne of God and give an account for their work. Uh, This passage pictures elders as being like watchmen who stand at the gate of a city day and night and serve as the lookouts. Uh, They're the, the protectors, the guardians who are keeping watch. And so what is it that they're keeping watch over? Well, they're keeping watch over the the people's souls. In a church, the responsibility of an elder is not just to keep the trains running. It's not just making sure that the services are organized and the ministries are flourishing and the coffee is flowing. This tells us that their responsibility to you reaches down to the deepest part of who you are. God charges elders to watch over your precious, eternal, immeasurably significant soul, which is the most valuable and important thing that you have. This, for an elder, is such a sobering responsibility. And what that means is that as an elder of this church, Mike and Trish and Larry and Brenda. It means that one day I will kneel down before the throne of God and God is going to speak to me. And he's going to ask me to give an account, not just for how I looked after my own soul, but for how I looked after yours. As one of the elders of this church, I am responsible to you in a way that you are not responsible to me. Do you realize this? Now, that is not to say that you have no responsibility for me. You are responsible for the way that you treat me, just as you're responsible for the way that you treat any other person in your life. But there is no place in Scripture that says that you will have to stand before the Lord and give an account for how you watched over my soul. All of our elders, however, do bear that responsibility for you. Now, there are many reasons why someone might seek to become an elder in a church. Uh, Some people really like to lead things and they're good at it. Well, that's not good enough. Other people really know the Bible and they're good at, at teaching it. This would say that's not good enough either. Uh, Some people are drawn to particular agendas and others might want to become an elder to feel good about themselves or affirmed. And, And obviously those are not good reasons either. But what this tells us is that elders are called by God to serve the spiritual needs of the people. And one of the most important jobs that you have is in helping to select qualified elders because the people who are chosen 
are entrusted with the responsibility to watch over the hearts and the minds and the attitudes and the spiritual health of God's people. And if an elder or a pastor doesn't feel the weight of that, if they're serving in that position for them and not for you, then this passage tells us that they have absolutely no business being there because the leaders exist for the church. The church does not exist for its leaders. And so this passage tells us that the price of being a church leader is the, the greatest responsibility that God could give, humanly speaking, and that is accountability for the care of souls. And if our leaders take this seriously, which they must, a tremendous weight is put on their shoulders. Now, this is a weight that they don't carry themselves. This weight is carried by the grace and the strength that God provides. And, as we're going to find out in just a minute, with the help of the entire congregation. So that's the responsibility of a church leader, of an elder. But what's the benefit? Well, this passage tells us what the benefit is too. Look again at, at verse 17, second part. It says, as they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, let them do this with joy. Joy is the benefit to being an elder of a church. Many of you would remember when Tom announced his retirement. He spent several minutes uh, describing why he felt like this was the right time for him to do this and what things would look like moving forward. And I remember one of the very last things he said. He, he said, I've been able to serve in this church for so many years. And he said, "If my experience has been a joy. Do you remember him saying that? That's the way it's meant to work because the benefit of being an elder is joy. The church leadership is not always super fun. I mean, a lot of times it is, but it's, it's not always. But there is something that is so meaningful and satisfying about it. And Tom talked about this. He said, you get to know people over the years and, and are often uh, entrusted with a, a doorway into their lives that you wouldn't have otherwise. You get to hear their stories. You, you get to see people come to trust Christ. You get to serve alongside of them. You get to watch them grow. Church leaders have a front row seat to people's pain and their weaknesses, but also to their triumphs. And it shapes a leader. It gives you so many different opportunities to laugh with people and to weep with people. And that is such a joy. I recommend anyone become an elder. I recommend anyone become a pastor. It's wonderful. It's a great responsibility. But as those leaders live out that responsibility, it is joy that helps put wind in their sails. Now, I could say so much more about that, but my time is short this morning. I want to move on and talk a bit about the benefits and responsibilities of the members of the church. Well, what is the benefit of being a member of a church, as it's described here? Well, again, look at the, the second half of this verse. 
Let the elders do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So apparently what this is saying is that the benefit of being a member of a church is that you have an advantage. And the advantage, it says, is that you have people in your life who are not only charged by God, but will later be held accountable to watch over your soul. They're there to teach and to shepherd and to arrange for groups for you to join and ministry opportunities to be involved in. They're, they're there to meet your spiritual needs as best they can. What is the thing that we all want in our leaders today? I mean, outside of church. We want a governor or a senator or a president who is looking out for us, right? Not just for themselves and, and, and for all of their friends. And, and I want you to see that's what God holds elders accountable to do. And I realize it doesn't always work that way. But that's God's intent. And this says that if they are not looking out for you, then one day God is going to have something to say to them about that. What this passage makes clear is that as you walk through your life, the leaders of the church are meant to have your back. And what that means corporately is that we are tasked with building the kind of environment as best we can here where people can flourish. And the elders hire staff and pastors and, and other leaders join who do that. But, but the elders are not just tasked with the corporate church. The elders are tasked too with the individuals. If your marriage is struggling, call one of the elders. If you're sick, let us come to your house and pray for you. We love to do that. If you've lost your job and you can't pay one of your bills, let us know. We can probably help you, and, and we have resources in place for that. If your faith is weak, give us an opportunity to encourage you. If you're having trouble connecting your iPad to a printer, call the Apple Store. But all that other stuff, that's why God put us here. That's why we're here. One of the things that I have recognized as I've been a pastor for a few years now is that people feel so alone in life. And they feel that even more acutely when they are struggling. But church leadership is meant to exist so that nobody has to be alone. And God's full-hearted love for you is meant to be uh, tangibly evidenced by imperfect leaders who are seeking to be faithful, loving servants who sincerely, not just with lip service, but sincerely care about the needs of your soul. And that's the way it's supposed to work. It doesn't always work that way. But when it does, if it does, that is such an advantage, this says. And that's the benefit to a member of the church. So what's the responsibility of a member of a church? Well, look again. It says in verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those 
who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So here's what this says. It says that as the leaders keep watch, the members are charged to obey and submit to them. Now I have to tell you, in my position, it feels weird even to say that. But I want to explain it. Because that might not mean what you think it might mean. Let me give two qualifications for this. First of all, I want you to notice that the word leadership is plural. This is not a single leader that is being submitted to. This assumes multiple leaders. Uh, A lead pastor, as Tom has taught us so well over the years, is no more important than any other elder of the church. He's not special. He himself is submissive to the team too, as is every other elders. Every other elder. In other words, an elder may be an elder, but he's a member too. So everything I'm about to say about the responsibilities and the benefits of a member also apply to all the elders because they are members too. That's my first qualification. My second one is this. I want you to understand that the word that is used here, obedience, is not meant to be absolute. Okay, what this is talking about is not drinking whatever flavor of Kool-Aid a leader puts into your hand without question. If they ask you to jump off of a bridge, don't do it. Unless it's that little footbridge over there, because that's not very tall and you probably won't get hurt. If a leader starts messing with the doctrine of the Trinity or justification by faith, that is a major problem and you need to take your Bible and go and show them and eventually you may need to go someplace else. But on the smaller stuff, that's what this is talking about here. Uh, On the matters of preference, what this is saying is seek to trust them. It's saying seek to understand the responsibilities of their work and to give them the benefit of the doubt. Talk to them if you need to. Seek to be flexible. Uh, Like I said before, this passage is a little hard for me to speak on. We just speak on whichever passages we come to, but it almost feels self-serving. Honestly, I'm a little uncomfortable speaking on this this morning. The only reason that I can do so is that this passage is not self-serving at all. I, I want you please to understand this. God does not tell church members to obey their leaders for the sake of that leader. He does so for a much more important reason, and that is to protect the unity and the joy and the mission of the church. Uh, In churches, there's always going to be differing opinions and preferences that people have, and and that's okay. In, In fact, that's a good thing. But so that we don't get bogged down in debating them, what God does is he blesses the church with elders in part so that there's some governing body who is hopefully making wise decisions with the good of the whole church in mind. God has given his church a great commission. 
And what the elders are meant to do is to keep the church unified and moving forward in that direction. Now, here's the thing. Elders are never going to make perfect decisions. Churches are far too messy and complicated for that to happen. And the elders themselves, trust me from my own own self, are far too messy and complicated for that. But the church is not told to submit to them because they always get it right. They don't. We submit to them because it's what the Lord asks us to do. And we submit to them here in this text because when we are obeying the leaders who are seeking to serve us, we make their work easier and we create leadership who is energized rather than discouraged. This says that they're able to work with joy and not with groaning. And please see this. This says that that joy trickles down to everyone. That joy is to everyone's advantage. The joy of a church's leaders flows downstream and it becomes the joy of the church's members. And this works the other way too. The joy of the church's members flows upstream and it becomes the joy of the church's leaders. Let me put this another way. The attitude by which the leaders take their responsibility to love and to respond and to care for the souls of the congregation seriously. And the attitude by which the congregation loves and responds to its leaders, what that is meant to do is it's meant to continually build one another up. And when this kind of symbiotic relationship exists between the church's leaders and its members, the byproduct, it says here, is one thing. It's joy. And that joy is meant to spread in both directions. And then it's meant to overflow into everything that that church does and is. It's a joy that flows out into the community. It's a joy that inspires our mission together. It's a joy that grows our relationship with one another. And you know, I have to say, one thing that I have always felt that has been so special about our church is that I believe the dynamic that is described here is something that we have experienced for many years. Imperfectly, obviously. It's not been perfect, but it has been a part of our church culture, and I think that that is so unique. This is a part of who we are. At least that's how I feel. And this is so important because a church that is united by selfless and patient and courageous and flexible and gentle and faithful and sacrificial, steadfast love and grace flowing in both directions from the hearts of the leaders to the people and from the hearts of the people to the leaders, that kind of church is a church that pleases the Lord. That kind of church 
is a church that gets things done. That kind of a church is the church where joy abounds. And that's what this passage tells us. That's what that passage is all about. Now, in two weeks, Tom Llewellyn is going to retire as our lead pastor and as an active elder in our congregation. And I really hope you understand this. Tom is always going to be a leader in our church. I mean, that's just who he is. However, the the formal and specific responsibilities of being a lead pastor and an elder, which I described a bit at the beginning of my message today, those are things in which Tom will be laying down. And I have to say for myself, as I have reflected on this, that is so bittersweet. I cannot tell you how happy I am for Tom in the new freedom, Tom, that you're going to experience in life and all the fresh new ways that God is going to use you and the blessing that, that I imagine you will be, not, not just to the people in our church as you continue to participate here, but the people outside of our church that you may have no more time uh, to, to serve. I'm excited. I can't wait to see what happens next in your life. However, I I have to say that I'm very sad too. I'm sad for me, I'm sad for us, and I'm also sad for Tom. Because I know that when you lay aside the weight of pastoral responsibility, what that also means is that you lay down some of its joys. And I know that that's hard, because I know that this has been such a joyful experience. So, Tom, today, we want to thank you for all of these years of looking out for our souls. And we trust that even though you've done it imperfectly, like anyone, that when you stand before the Lord to give your account to him, we believe that he will be pleased. I am going to invite Joe to come up. Joe is going to pray for us and lead us uh, in one more song, and then we'll give some explanation from there. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this gorgeous day once again. And Lord, I thank you for your sovereign hand in appointing leadership over this church. Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness that we've seen throughout the many years as our elders have had to navigate so many difficult situations Lord, I thank you for all the late nights uh, that that team has had uh, to provide a safe and encouraging and God-glorifying and honoring environment for all of us. Lord, I thank you for the personal sacrifice that all of these men have made um, by taking time away from their family to devote time to this body. And Lord, I thank you for Tom. I thank you for his faithfulness. Uh, for so long across so many difficult challenges. Lord, I thank you for his integrity in teaching and preaching the gospel. Lord, I thank you for his late nights of preparation in preparing what he needs to feed us. Lord, that we can see you more truly for who you are. Lord, that we can grow in our relationship with you. And Lord, that we can move from milk to maturity through studying your word. Lord, I thank you for Tom's faithfulness, for his love and desire for you and for his passion for sharing the gospel. 
We ask this in Jesus' name.